1 Timothy chapter 1. In context, uh, the word man, as in male, is not used in 1 Timothy 3.1. It is, however, used in 1 Timothy 3.2. And it comes in contextual heels, off the contextual heels, of what we just got done speaking about the limits of, uh, of uh, females in the ministry. Uh, which are very limited in this to the limits. So when we reach first first Timothy three one, we are dealing with the qualifications of men for the office of bishop. And I'll say a little bit more in our King James it has the word man. Uh but really the word man does not really appear directly in context until verse two with the word husband where it uses the direct word male so male man is contextually here but really i guess we would say any in verse one let's read it though this is a true saying if a man and contextually that's the right reading if a man desire the office of a bishop he desires a good work a bishop So out of the men that desire to minister in this way, what must they be? What is their characteristics? And whatever the characteristics are, this is what's meant to be an example for all men to be. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection to his or, or with all gravity. So not only a relationship with his wife, but a proper relationship with his children as well. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must, be, must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. With them that are without, without, outside. (laughs) Those them that are outside, I guess. Uh, I want to really just introduce this subject today. I did this about three years ago uh, on a Sunday morning. And I want to really slow down because I want to, I want us to understand some things, and I want us to even have some discussion about this. So really, it's going to take us probably several weeks to get through these first seven verses. And tonight, we're really not going to start unpacking this first verse as of yet. So just understanding, really, this is all part of what we've been talking about since chapter 2, verse 1. We've talked about the centrality of prayer. 
in a gospel ministry, the distinction of roles, specifically male and female roles in the gospel ministry, and now the qualifications of office, and that's going to go all the way until uh, verse 16, and then we're going to, uh, so there's just throughout the rest of this chapter, we're going to talk about the qualifications and how we're supposed to behave in the house of God. So there are two distinct offices. Uh, verse 8 tells us about the other one. There is uh, bishops here and deacons. Bishops and deacons. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. And like I said, I really want to slow down and I want us to understand because I think through the years we have got wrong ideas about the structure of churches uh, in our culture. And I think if we slow down and consider these offices, uh, we can understand a little bit more about what the church is meant to be structured as. Yes? A striker? That's someone that goes around striking people. <laughs> yeah, a brawler, uh, a fighter, uh, someone that's picking fights all the time. Yeah, some, someone that loses their temper really easy. Uh, that kind of person, yeah. Yeah, no, no. It's just just someone that someone at the drop of the hat gets a chip knocked off their shoulder real easy, uh, starts lashing out at people. That kind of person. All right. No, nope. All right. So Philippians one one, Paul says Paul and Timotheus, the servants, and that's not the word deacon there. That's the word doulos, servants of Jesus Christ. That's something that can, that word servants there can apply to many. To all the saints, that's anybody that's saved in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, so the entire church at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. These are the offices. So the office of bishops, what we're going to talk about first in these first uh, few verses. Uh, the office of bishop is first addressed. This is a true saying. If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. Now, the term bishop, that's an interesting word. That's just an anglicized word. Uh, it comes from the word directly here in the Greek uh, with just a little bit of anglicized spelling. The term bishop uh, is speak, spoken of here in the same scriptures twice, Timothy and, and Philippi, and the letter to the Philippi speaks of bishops and deacons. Uh, the only other text that speaks of the office of bishop is found in Titus, or at least uses the, the phrase bishop, the word for bishop. If you go a little bit further over, Titus chapter 1, Paul, uh, around the same time, writing the same letter to Timothy, he says, a bishop, verse 7, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. That goes with that striker there, Brother Patrick. Not given to wine. No striker. Well, that also is another. <laughs> it gets it twice. Uh, not given to filthy lucre. A lot of the same things we just read in Timothy. The term bishop comes from two Greek words. Uh it's, so it's a compound word, so it means, the first word means above. So is the word above 
And then it is the word, the verb to look. So the one that looks over something or someone in a position over and looking upon or taking care or taking notice is what the word means or the Greek word means. And we would simply simply, uh, translate this to mean overseer. Bishop is an overseer. Uh, The word is... Now, you all have probably heard of the Episcopalian Church, right? You've heard of, that's that same word. That's a, that is the word episcopae. Episcopae is the word for bishop here, the word for bishop in Philippians 1.1 and in Titus 1.7. In the role of overseer, the word carries this idea of providing judgment. So they're providing judgment. I never know if there's an E uh, right after the G in judgment. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, so the speller in my Word document will can't make up its mind. So uh, It carries the idea of providing judgment in the context. So this is not just harsh judgment. This means in the context of uh, teaching, uh, uh of providing judgment being carried out in the realm of teaching God's word. So judgment in teaching. And this is this has the idea of both teaching by example and teaching by or not rote, but just just by just by word and by example. And I think Paul has talked about that in his very own life and ministry as well. Um, so add to that, it's also carries with it the meaning of visit. In fact, the word episcope, uh, that's that word bishop, uh, has a cognate verb with it that means to visit. To visit. So it carries with this idea of visitation, providing personal care and attention to others through visitation. Now that doesn't mean a visitation program. Per se, like, uh, hey, I, I, I touched base with them on, on, I sent them a message or something like that, or a letter. That that term visit meant something very specific in biblical times. It's the activity of God towards His people. Uh, uh, Jesus wept over Jerusalem, and He says, "If you would have known the time of your visitation," that's that verb, cognate verb there. Um, Peter talk about Peter first Peter 2:12 talked about God visiting his people. Uh, so this idea is also carried in that word as well. So you have the episcopal act of visiting in the sense of ministering to the needs, of being present with the people. Uh, and that is carried in this episcopal office called, Bishop, and that word visit is very important. And why do I? I'm saying that this whoever holds this office should be an example because this is what all Christians are supposed to do with, or even or outside of this office. Jesus Christ, that same cognate verb, episcope, it uses a verb. Uh, Matthew twenty five five says, "When I was in prison, you visited me." 
that's that same verb, or it's a, it's the cognate of the same cognate verb of the same word. Uh, so the person who takes office of a bishop takes on this role of watching over the spiritual life of the members of the church. So they're so this is the main word I want us to just kind of zero in in, is that word overseer. Uh, so they're watching over. In the sense, they desire a good thing, it says in our text, to minister on behalf of God for the needs of other believers. The word that is used by Paul in when we get to verse 5 of our text, he uses these two words, uh, back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we get to verse 5. He talks about in relation to a church that he rules. And that is an equivalent, an equivocation of something else in that very same text. Which means take care. And that's how it is in our King James Bible. It says, there, there's the balance of our text here. Uh, it says... Um, that if he know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care? And we're going to get into parsing out those words there. But rules and takes care. And Paul uses that word rule here. And that word rule is not, and this is where we in our, in our, uh, in our current culture have really gone wrong here. That does not mean we, we have this doctrine of pastoral authority. Have you all heard that term? So we, I've been to plenty of churches that believe that this word rule means that this person is an absolute charge. He is a dictator. <laughs> he rules the church and what he says goes. Yeah, and part of the Tater family right there, right, uh, Brother Jimmy? Uh, so so that, that, that's not what we're talking about, this, this, this overblown idea of pastor authority. So it's not rule in the sense... Uh, that we that we would hear in our culture a power over people, a, having a power over them, but looking over people, overseeing, uh, and so this word rule is this idea of of providing a standard, and we're going to talk more about this word later. But providing a standard, and I'm gonna, I want to can you all even read my writing from there a little bit. So rule is this providing a standard or a straight stick. <laughs> we, we still use the word ruler for, so for a straight stick, right? Uh, that, that, that's a standard by which we know the inches and the centimeters and everything else, what they are. Yes, brother. Okay, go ahead. I've thrown the wrench in it myself yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The Episcopal Church. The Episcopal Church. That means that. Well, well, well. I would say that what they mean by Episcopal Church is every single individual church is ruled by some central eldership. 
so there's a central eldership somewhere. I don't. That's an American and Ireland Irish thing, really. Uh, so it's not in the context of the local church. This is speaking in the context of an actual local church and not some body of people somewhere far away ruling them. The Episcopal Church has a group of people called the Episcopate that rules every single church everywhere that is an Episcopal Church. So that's not the model we're talking about here. I mean, I'm not going to talk about individual churches. I would say that's not. I'd say that's not a good model. This bishop is meant to be there, locally present, visiting with the people, not 500 miles away, uh, making decisions. And they, so I'd say it's a model that's not a New Testament. The Episcopal Church is actually broke off from the Anglican Church around the Revolutionary War. So the it's the same as the Anglican Church which has the queen or king as its head, which is not biblical either. So they broke off from the Anglo... They're, they're American Anglicans is what they are, and they just renamed themselves Episcopal. But, they, but they're using this word. They, they use this word, but I don't think they're using the biblical model because their elders are not in the churches. They're over the churches hundreds of miles away. They're not there. That's not what the word bishop means. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I would I would say that the name is not nearly as important. I I know some Baptist churches that weren't right either. So, but. But the, the, important, the important thing is, is they're deriving their practice from the New Testament. And that's, what we're trying to, and that's what we're trying to get to here. What is a bishop? It's not what the Episcopalian, or, or uh, it's not the Epi- Episcopalian power structure. It's actual people that are here visiting, present with their people. And each church should have that. And that, that's the point here. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, perfect. All right, no problem. Um, so the word, so, so it doesn't mean having power. It means providing that straight stick or standard. They do this based upon these qualifications that we read. How do we know, how do we know someone's qualified? Well, right here it is. It names 16 different things here. And we're going to deal with each one over the coming weeks. But... Um, Everything from the example of their lives to their aptness to teach. Um, in fact, most of the, most of what we have to hear to say, there's only one thing about teaching here, and the rest has to do with their their public and private character. Uh, so, which is far more important. Uh, and I think too many people have have uh, have people leading them that are good speakers, and that's about all they can say. <laughs> Is is they know how to fire up a crowd, or they know how to how to get the tears it's flowing. Because isn't that like one of the signs of the end times? Is that people have itching ears? 
itching ears. They want to hear. Yeah. A good speaker. Yeah, God's obviously on them because He can speak. <laughs> yeah. No, but that yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, we we have sixteen things here, and and most of the, the only one that people seem to care about is He's a good orator. And I I know people right now who've committed adultery, and they're still behind. They're still teaching in their church. apt to teach is and we're going to talk about what that means but that's the only thing that has to do with teaching and the rest has to do with character yeah he was very he was he had a stuttering tongue stammering tongue he said uh so being so if if you have 15 of the other characters but you stutter a lot you're still you would still be better than one who has only one and yeah we're Being a good orator or, or good rhetoric, or good at rhetoric. Uh, I mean, Joel Osteen's good at rhetoric. I mean, the guy can, the guy can spin a weave. Well, or, don't worry about him being scriptural. Yeah. So Paul added this. Turn to Titus one ten, and I don't know what our stopping time is, but I, I and I'm t- uh, Titus. Wh- what did I say? Titus one ten. Why do we need bishops? He goes on and says that, holding fast the faithful word, verse 9, as he, hath been, as he hath been taught. So this is talking about the continuation of, of uh, the, the gospel truths after generation after generation. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that, we may, that he may be able to with sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Why? For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Why do we need bishops? Because there's a lot of deception, and there's a lot of people that are trying to draw Christians away from the truth of God's word. Paul would say, and we're going to get there eventually. Uh, I don't know if we're getting there fast enough, so I'm going to go ahead and quote it now. Uh, but turn to First Peter chapter two while we're at it. But Paul would say to the Ephesians, "Feed the flock of God. There's wolves out there that are coming." Feed the flock of God. Uh, Peter said that this mirrored the activity of Christ. So the job of the bishop is to be Christ-like. Here's the model for him. So Christ-like. The job of the bishop, Bishop, 1 Peter 2.25. Uh, I don't, I'm not getting there fast enough, am I? 1 Peter 2.25. 2, 2.25. For we are all sheep going astray, but we have now returned to the shepherd and who? Bishop. <laughs> the, the, the great episcopate, the bishop of our souls. Now, who is that? It's Christ. He's the, he's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd of John 10. Here he is, the bishop of our souls. So the office of bishop is synonymous also with another term. And this is the term elder. It's a synonym, and I want to show you that. The term elder, when not literally speaking about someone that's older. So I have elders in this room right now. 
uh, that was just people older. <laughs> uh, usually when you run into it in, uh, and I'm finding that more and more people are younger than me than el- and older than me, so, so, so which is unnerving. Uh, it's, it's, weird, it's weird finding yourself the same age as old people. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but usually when you, the, the amount of times you run into the word elder, uh, it's usually in the Old Testament, it's talking about a leader in Israel. So this is also a term of leadership, a leader in Israel. Uh, we run into it the first time in the scriptures in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11. And I'm going to maybe go five more minutes and then we'll quit. Uh, Acts 11 and verse 30 Acts eleven thirty. This is the first mention of it in the old in the New Testament. It says, "Which also they did, and sent it to the, to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul." Talking about the elders of Antioch, the people leading the church at Antioch were called elders. Now, elders are a group of men in the church that have oversight. And we're going to show you that here in a second. And it's important that here that we mention as men, uh, we have what we think is what we believe to be the first deacons in Acts chapter 6. Why did we have the first deacons? Well, we're we're going to see here in a second is that the apostles were the elders of the church at, at Jerusalem. They were performing that office. And what were they doing? Well, they were doing exactly what... We were said needed to be done, the leadership men needed to be providing in 1 Timothy 2, 8. I would that a man would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. What did the disciples need to do? What, what did the disciples need to do in Acts chapter 6, 2 through 4? Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among your men, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business, whom we may appoint over this business, and we will give ourselves continually to what? Prayer and the ministry of the word. So that mirrors the exact prayerful gospel ministry that men are to be leading here, and this is the context we also find Paul. Um, Again, elders at the church of Ephesus were those who God made, Overseers. Now go to Acts 20. We are already made reference to this. Acts 20. Acts 20 and verse 17 through 29. I'm not going to read the whole section. Uh, but here in verse 17, he's Paul from Miletus. He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And then he goes on and talks to the elders and then he says in verse 20, uh, uh, 28, I take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. That's the same idea that we have with the word bishop is this overseeing to feed the church of God. Paul spoke to Timothy about those that rule the church as bishops in our text, uh, but uses the term later, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. 1 Timothy 5, 17. 
he says here, he talked about the elders ruling in chapter 3. Then we get to chapter 5, verse 17. He says, let the elders that rule well be counted of double honor, especially those that labor in word and doctrine. So the same idea. They're leaders, they're rulers. This is the same class of people, bishops and elders. These are synonyms, meaning the same thing. An elder and a bishop, we're talking about the same office. Now, I want to probably stop there because I'm going to start a new, I want to get into, well, should I? Does that mean you should give them a raise? Because it says they're worthy of double honor. Well, no, you should. You, you, and later on it says the laborer deserves his wages. <laughs> so isn't he supposed to pay him twice as much? Or? Well, you're supposed to honor them, I guess. You're, I mean, just uh, to, just, uh, just give them an honorary doctorate or something like that. or Give them double the benefits. No matter how good or bad. Yeah. No, but uh, I, I, I think we're going to stop there. I just wanted to introduce this term office. And why is this important? Why is all of this important? It's important because they're... What? Because it's on a whiteboard. Yeah. Obviously. Because these are the ones that need to mirror Christ for others. Paul would later say, follow me. But not indiscriminately. Follow me as or in this manner that I am following Christ. Or what? Or to the extent. Uh, or to the extent, yes. And that's actually what I was trying to say. And what we have today and what Paul and what Paul is setting up in the structure here is what we have a dearth of today. How few role models younger Christians have have we talked about that with women right how many women are there for for younger women to look up to now we have the same thing with men what do young men need young men need men of god to look up to men of god to follow men young men need examples not just of good talkers but of people who are living after Christ. Now he's going to constantly come back that with Timothy. He says, Timothy, be an example of the... He, he, he said that to the elders in Ephesus. Be examples to the flock. Because we everyone needs a pattern. Everybody, Everyone needs someone who's going to live like Christ in front of them. And that's what this is about. And... We should, there should be men that desire to say, hey, I want to be that for others. That's why it's important. We're going to pick up there and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about what this looks like in the practice of a church. And then we're going to talk about the actual qualifications. And it's going to, uh, I'm, I'm already, as I'm going through them, I'm very convicted about how I'm falling short in the example of Christ because really as we're reading these qualifications, we're reading in some way the character of Christ displayed in these areas of our life. And it should be, I hope it'll be just as convicting for you all as it will for me. Let's stand and let's be dismissed with a, with a Christ is all I need.